before we even start anything else here, we are gonna go ahead, let's breathe into our heart space. But what I really want you to breathe into your heart space today is your conviction, your courage, your awareness of, of what you know for you, of what's available for you. Um, and so breathing that courage conviction into the heart space and really exhaling out this idea that somebody else knows what's right for you. That somebody else, like when you've got that feeling in your body that something is off or something is wrong or it's, you know, that, and somebody wants to tell you otherwise, I just, this is what I'm just seeing that we can, re we can really breathe into our bodies, courage and conviction, and we can exhale that energy of mm, as somebody else knows better or somebody else, especially when they're telling you something that does not resonate with what and who you actually are. No matter what it looks like on the outside, really giving ourselves permission to trust, have courage in, have faith in that mechanism within us that says, yep, this works for me, or no, that doesn't. Yeah. Okay, yeah, breathing that into the body, exhaling out everything that no longer serves. Inhale, big gulp, take a big gulp of courage, trust, self-awareness. Here we go. And we'll exhale that back out. So something's really, uh, yeah, yeah, we can come on back when you're ready. There's something really ready to, to shift. Um, there's a big one coming. Uh, there's a big internal shift coming. You can feel it clearer than anything. And it's, um, you know, it's not coming from outside. It's not coming from outside of us, it's coming from inside each and every one of us. I mean, we are the new world. We are the capacity to create something different that than has ever been both in our own lives personally, but um, out into the world. And um, it's interesting because just as I close my eyes sitting here with, you know, a small group of people, I love this every single time. It's like, we just don't know what a small group of individuals coming together in a coherent space can do, you know, both for that individual and for the collective. So, um, and there's a lot of small groups coming together just like this right now. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deep breath, everybody. Yeah, I can feel it in your heart spaces. Man, you guys are just like, oh, pulling it in. So 
All right, Sharon, do you have anything for me? I do. Let me do this. Um, okay. This mother has a 10-year-old daughter and she has a stigma that is coming, is on its way in. And she was telling her daughter that um, she was grateful to have very two very special children because her son also has autism. She would like to know how she can support her and on her way and if she's in any pain. Uh, the mom also lives in Hungary and she's working in England. So she's traveling a lot between two countries. Um, <clears throat> let me see here. How old is the daughter again? 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to what we just kind of talked about. This must be the theme or something for this call um, because it's showing up pretty strongly here as well. So again, what the first thing I want to point to you is not what you think you should do or shouldn't do, but what do you really feel that needs to be done here or, or doesn't need to be done? What's the part of you that says, let's, let, let's, let me reframe this a little bit. So if, if you were having some of the challenges um, that your daughter is having, if you were the one having those challenges, what is it that you would like in support? Yeah, how, how would you want to support you if it was you having some of those challenges? So you have, you come into this world and you're unique and you're different and you're there's gifts that go along with that uniqueness and difference, and there's challenges that go along with that. You know, I think that we can all safely say that we, we all want our gifts to be seen, and we all want our challenges to be loved. You know, it just, it gets about that simple. We all want our gifts to be seen, valued, honored, appreciated, and we all want that part of ourselves that is challenged to be loved and supported, right? And so how do we give that love and support, not in a manner that we're attempting to fix someone, but in a manner that um, just meets their needs or meets the need. First of all, we wanna, we wanna be able to really ask anybody who has a challenge what they want from us. Sometimes they know and sometimes they don't know, but we wanna be able to at least say, you know, how can I support? How can I be of help? Is it better if I'm, you know, not back and forth as much? Is it better that when I am back and forth, I have some time with you? Is it, you know, you can point out some things that you might think that might feel good to you and see if that resonates with her. But we wanna just get right down to basics here and just ask, you know, how can I be of support? You know, and sometimes a 10 year old who is having challenges is not quite sure how you can be of support. That's where the, well, you know, I would like this if I was in a similar situation, this is what I would like. 
And then she can say yes, or she can say no. Um, but let's honor the basics here. Let's really honor the basics. Let's honor the gifts, the capacities. Let's see the gifts and the capacities. And let's be willing to be present to or meet the challenges. You know, it's kind of, we all know we've all had kind of fair weather friends, you know, that are more than willing to be there when we are in our fullness and in our strength. But the moment that we are challenged or the minute we feel like we're in more of a vulnerable or a weaker state, those individuals, you know, take off, right? Those individuals aren't available or don't have the capacity to be of support. So we just wanna show our children that we do have that capacity. Yeah, yeah, hope that's helpful. All right, this question is, uh, this mother had uh, COVID and since she had COVID, she is just not motivated to do anything. And she usually has a positive disposition and she just can't shake the feeling. Any thoughts? Come visit me, we'll have a cup of tea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that feeling well. Um, yeah, hold on just a second. Um, You know, I think one of the beautiful things about COVID, you know, I mean, there's a lot of amazing things about it, um, but one of the beautiful things about it is it really is helping us reevaluate what's important to us and what's not important to us. It's really giving us an opportunity to, you know, I mean, something as simple as physical well-being. I mean, how many times have any one of us, you know, kind of taken advantage of or really not seen the advantage of our physical health and well-being? I mean, it's a basic thing. If we don't have it, you know, we're not really fully living our experience, right? So, so one of the things that I think that any kind of illness can help one with is really valuing, you know, really valuing the physical and also really looking at what is important in our lives. And I think that slowing down to the degree that each one of us have, have, have had to slow down in the last couple of years, hopefully has also given us the opportunity to just say, what do we value? What's important? At the end of the day, you know, does this actually matter or does it not? And so maybe it's not so much that you're, um, you know, apathetic or maybe or not motivated or that kind of thing. Maybe this is just a reframing or a pause time so that you can determine what it is that actually matters. Yeah, moving forward. That's what it feels like to me. So give yourself permission to be in that space. You know, you're not, you're not in the wrong place simply because you're not in the same place that you were before you had COVID, right? You're just, you're in a new space. So let's use that space to 
Mm. Honor. Mm. Validate. Come into harmony with what actually works for you next. Because my guess is, is it's not what was before. <laughs> so, yeah. Hopefully that's helpful. Okay, so this question is around, do you know of any um, specific energetic practices to help with uh, skin cancer? Mm. Mm. You know, um, well, let me, let me say a couple things because you're, you're showing me layers of different um, things. So the very first piece that I want to say is, you know, what is our skin? You know, what, you know, the skin is number one, the greatest organ of elimination that we have in our bodies. Number two, skin is also the, you could say the outer edge of our relationship to the world, how our skin, you know, how we present ourselves in the world. So the very first thing I want to say to you is, is let's just look at how are you in particular just presenting yourself in the world and without any judgment whatsoever, is that an authentic um, expression of you? Is that an expression of you that is related to what you think someone else expects of you or wants from you or any of those things. So let's just let's just look at that first, okay? And and again, there's no um, what you're showing me, there's no there's no judgment in this whatsoever. I mean, every one of us has put a particular face forward or put a particular way forward that um, yeah, we've all put a particular way forward because we thought somebody else expected it. Yeah. Um, and it really wasn't the greater truth of, of who we are, you know? So, so I'd look at that first because I don't, you know, we can call whatever your condition is, whatever you want to call it. But to me, it's like your body is just saying, you know, I want permission to be me. I want permission to show up in the world as I show up in the world. Um, that's, that's what I'm hearing from your body. The second thing I will say as far as energetic practices or exercises or those kinds of things, honestly, I would meditate. I would do something really simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, you know, and I would... I would actually meditate for a period of time that is somewhat uncomfortable. Yep, so if I say meditate five or 10 minutes, okay, fine. Everybody can sit down for five or 10 minutes. What I'm hearing for you anyway is sit for 30 minutes, sit for 40 minutes, sit for an hour and just watch, just just notice what's coming up. Your, your job is to not in any way assume that you are what is arising in that space, but you're the one that's just watching it. 
And sometimes when we really sit and are quiet for a little while and we just watch what's coming up for us, we begin to, we just begin to notice what our inner dialogue is like. And again, no judgment, no, there's nothing to fix. You're just simply being aware of it because you're giving yourself the time and the space to be yourself, to be whatever's coming up in that moment. Yeah, and it goes hand in hand with your skin. Um, just looking to see if there's any other. Mm -mm. No, I think the other thing too is there is nothing, there's nothing broken in you. There's nothing wrong with you um, in that, in the way that you might be perceiving it. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. There are a few things that need to be recognized or realized but there's nothing that needs to be fixed. And so sometimes when we go down the path of, well, what can we do energetically? It's like, I just want this fixed <laughs> you know? and I can completely get it. Um, I can completely get that. And at the same time, your quote unquote fix is in, um, is in those suggestions that I gave. Yeah, you'll find it there. Oh, find it and transform it there. Oh, man. Yeah, sorry, that really got me. I can feel it shift. Yeah, cool. Whew. All right, fair enough. <laughs> okay, this one's kind of personal, so um, you can generalize it as you need. Uh, uh, her daughter was just released from 18 months on a hospital psychiatric floor, mm -hmm. and this was involuntary. Uh, there is, is there anything she wants to share about where she's at, what she's been working on, and she sent the mom sense is a group working on deep planetary stuff, but the but the daughter feels all alone. And how can the mom support her? Mm. Um, let's go back to the let's go to the daughter here and see what her. All right, so first off, she wants you to know that she too is working on deep planetary stuff. <laughs> so it's just that her, her deep planetary healing um, that she's working on um, is really more at an emotional body level, at a um, emotional energy level. So, we can assume that the physical earth is physical, you know, that it's, but the, but the earth itself, not just the humans on the earth, but the earth itself also has an emotional body. And that emotional body has been, um, that emotional body has been beaten up beaten down, abused, um, not seen for the beauty and the grace and the love that she actually is. And so, so you're both working on deep 
earth uh, energies, deep earth uh, healing, you might say, just at different places and spaces. So that's the first thing that she wants you to know. The second thing that, um, another thing that she wants, not just you to know, but us all to know, is that when you look at the number of, I mean, I work with more kids right now, more families that are dealing with um, psychiatric kinds of challenges um, than I ever have in my whole life. You know I mean? I'm working with more of that client base than I ever have before. And what she and is wanting us all to know is that part of the reason why that is the case is that there is there are many, many souls among us that are simply capable of processing through their own emotional bodies the woundedness of humanity. It's not an easy journey. It's not, it's not an easy trajectory. It's, that's a powerful soul that chooses, again, chooses at the soul level, chooses before incarnation, that that is one of the supports or services that they are going to present, make available. Yeah. And so on the one hand, what I really want to say here, and I really want us to get this, I mean, we look at people every single day that are having deep, deep challenges. And we say, oh, poor them. Or we, we only see our own vulnerability in their experience. We only see our own lack of capacity in their experience. And what I'd really like to invite us to do today is one, to see our own capacity, to see that our vulnerability is a capacity, and also to see it in the eyes of others no matter what their challenges are, um, we don't know why they are experiencing those challenges. We don't know what capacity allows them to experience that depth of challenge um, and, and still wake up the next morning, you know, and still be here and still be willing to offer something so she's very, very clear that although she is also is needing some understanding, needing some validation, needing to be seen and heard for her capacity, um, she is also aware that that is her capacity. Yeah, so a little bit of both and here. I hope that's helpful. You can ask more if you wanna, if there's more to specifics to get to there. Ooh. It, I will say that energetically, there is some enormous shift that's on the horizon. There, there's just something that 
I don't know how to explain it other than there's a flip. There's a flip coming. We've been, we've been perceiving ourselves in one way and that served under the reality of the illusion that we were living in, but it doesn't serve going forward. And bit by bit, one by one, we're just going to start waking up to emerging from that sleepless state and waking into um, the greater capacity that we've always been. And I can't give you a how that happens. I think it's very unique for each and every one of us, but the fact that it is time that it happened, that the timing is the alignment, like you might say, is ready to go. No doubt in my mind, it's like whatever we're living today, let's, let's consider that it's totally possible that tomorrow it could be different. Yeah. We don't, we don't know what it is. We don't know really what we have been living fully. We don't know what we've been living. So we also don't know where we could be going. <laughs> so, um, and we don't have to assume that that's negative either. That's the old program. Yeah, it's totally possible that something amazing is trying to be birthed through you. So, and through, through the kids, through everyone. So, all right. Okay, hey, this question is, uh, this person is experiencing ongoing chronic pain in her pelvis and spine. And she just recently had a blood transfusion of low iron and has a lot of other issues. Just wondering if you have any enlightenment of what's going on. You've heard me say before that when we, when we transform, when we transmute, when we transfigure, it is mental, emotional, and physical. So here you are right down into the physical transformation. Um, that whole pelvic girdle is all around safety. Um, it's all around stability. It's finding your own stability, finding your own sense of safety in your own world, creating your own world in that pattern of safety and stability. And so what it looks like to me anyway, is that literally your, um, I can't get them at the, so the, the, the whole pelvic girdle and all the way down into the tailbone, it looks like you're leeching, uh, I don't know how else to say this other than you're leeching like old patterns of fear, instability, lack of safety, you're leeching that from your pelvic girdle. And just as, let's just call that, that information, that's information that was packed into the bone in your pelvic girdle. Again, just because it's time, that energy, just because we are collectively transmuting and evolving as fast as we are now, your pelvic girdle is now giving up the, the ghosts of um, insecurities past, you know, of lack of safety past. And so all of that energy is literally leaching out of the pelvic girdle 
that whole pelvic girdle is becoming lighter in density. You're, it's literally enlightening, right? It's lightening up. So as that energy moves out of that pelvic girdle, the stance that that pelvic girdle held, like, you know, we know that when we're tense, let's say we hold our bodies in a particular position. And, and when we start to relax, as we start to relax, oh, that, that hurts. It hurts to drop that position. We're used to being up like this. And all of a sudden we're down like this and oh, it's like it hurts the, it hurts. It just feels uncomfortable. It feels like we're out of balance somehow. You're not, you're coming in, you actually are coming into balance and you're coming into balance at a, at a physical in the bone kind of level. So again, as that information is leaching out of the, that old paradigm of you is leaching out of the pelvic girdle, the pelvic girdle is, is finding a new settle point. And as it finds a new settle point, of course, it's gonna impact the way that spinal column um, moves as well. So first the pelvis for you, and then the pelvic, that energy is gonna move from the pelvis up your back, you know, up the spinal column. And so a couple different things here, even little micro movements in your, in your body, in your spine, I would definitely play with those. Um, here's what I would do if I were you. I would sit quietly in your own stability. I would sit in your pelvic girdle, safe, secure, stable, knowing, you know, knowing that you are quite capable of creating the world of safety that you are really interested in creating. Sit there, just sit there for a few minutes and feel it writing itself, feel it putting itself in place, and then take that whole information field, that whole energy field, and just bring it right up your spinal column. Yep, just, just, and you, you might, you know, you, this isn't like a sitting still meditation kind of thing, but you, you know, you may wanna find yourself moving that spinal column, excuse me, as you move your body, as you move that energy up your body. Um, but I would, that's where I would go first before you're trying to mentally figure it out or emotionally work it out. Let's just go right back to, to what's in that pelvic girdle and let's use it to support, yeah, your experience here. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, move it all the way up. So, yeah. Okay, this question is, you mentioned in, um, an MES that we don't have to do anything to ascend as the process unfolds, that it is happening to us naturally and organically, as is the new world emerging. How does that apply to aches and pains, endocrine, endocrine dysfunction that we tend to want to treat with energy healing or something? Well, so if the, if the vibrational frequency, if the um, energetic field, energetic information is just becoming lighter, you know, if it's, 
And that's just what's happening. Um, anything that's locked in us physically, mentally, emotionally, that is not in vibrational resonance with that is trying to come into um, harmony with this new vibrational frequency. So, so we are going to have aches and pains. We are going to have thoughts and feelings that may have been repressed, suppressed, and or just you know completely unconscious for lifetimes. I mean, we've never been through this before. We've never had the opportunity to release everything, to release everything that we are not. And so here we are in this opportunity. And so, um, you know, we can, um, it's, uh, it's the only way I can, uh, let's see, hold on a second, Karini. This is the very reason why, yes, we wanna we wanna treat these things, we wanna support ourselves, we want to not eliminate anything. We wanna we wanna be inclusive in our healing process or in our integration process or our balancing process or our enlightenment process. That's really what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, we are just coming into harmony with a higher vibration. And we have been conditioned to believe that when we feel bad, you know, mentally, emotionally, or physically, that somehow something's wrong with us, you know, but what if it's, you know, could it be totally possible that we're just, we're just aligning with a higher state of our own being. And it, in alignment with that, we are dropping things that no longer serve us. And we are gonna drop it through our physical, our mental and emotional um, fields. Those are all information fields. I mean, really all that we are is information. We're information in a particular coagulation and a particular configuration. Most of that configuration is conditioned in nature, meaning that we've been taught to be that. It's not necessarily what is authentic or real. Um, so all we're doing here is we're going, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Thank you, body, for trying to align so beautifully with this next iteration, right? Thank you, body, for, or thank you, mind. Thank you, emotions, for, you know, for demonstrating or releasing or showing me what my focus is um, and, and, and help me, help me come into alignment with that greater expression of myself. Um, aligning, what's possible? What's, what's, again, we really wanna catch over and over and over again, where we make something that we're experiencing wrong. If we're experiencing it, how can it possibly be wrong? You know, it, it's what is, might not be right either, <laughs> but, but it is what is. 
And whatever is in our experience is something that we are absolutely capable of being present to. Right? We're absolutely capable of loving that whatever it is that's right in front of us. We're absolutely capable of seeing the potential in it, the possibility in it, the positive potential and possibility in it, instead of just assuming that it's, you know, taking us down the wrong direction. It's a, it's a fundamental, this is, I think it's one of the biggest conditions that we all play in. We assume things are wrong. We assume things are bad. And so what's possible? Yeah, I think I was listening to Kyle Cease the other day and um, he makes me smile. He just makes me laugh every now and again. And he was saying that he had two people on and they were going back and forth around something being totally possible. And, and it, just, it just spoke to my, spoke to my heart. It was like, yes, it's totally possible that you know, our bodies are completely realigning. It's totally possible that we're just, just by the experiences that we have and our capacity to be present to those experiences, to love those experiences, not, not love that we're hurting, but to be compassionate towards, to have love for our experience. It's totally possible that we're just every single moment we're capable of doing that, we're just aligning with a greater part of ourselves. You know, it's totally possible that it's just time for us to be bigger than we've ever been before. Yeah. It's totally possible that whatever we think our stories are, it's just bullshit. It's just a story, you know? And that there's something so much greater than that within each and every one of us and collectively humanity is becoming that right now. And that's why so much shit is hitting the fan. That's why so much is becoming so flipping obvious right now. Yeah. So anyway, that was hopeful. I'll come off my pedestal now. <laughs> Get down from my perch. Okay, this question is, can you speak about the shifting educational paradigm and any new possibilities that are here to support the alignment and integration of young children? God, thank you, thank you, thank you for this question because I've been talking to different people about this in all kinds of ways lately. And, um, you know, it, when, when it's all said and done, the children that are here now, our younger population, they are the people that are going to be living the reality um, of this, living this new reality more so than any single one of us here, right? They are, they are the ones that are, are going to be living that on a very practical kind of level. So in many ways, a lot of these kids already know what their capacity is. Um, I'll say that, and on the other hand, there is a greater attempt right now to dumb down that capacity than I've ever seen in my 60 years on the planet, 
right? There is a concerted effort um, to just numb. I mean, we've all been numbed. We've all been conditioned. We've all been taught to, to conform or to be less than, not to show our brilliance, not to stand out, not to whatever. We've all been, dem that's all been, dem I mean, uh, conditioned into us. Now it's like, it's even stronger than I've ever seen it. And it's stronger. And the thing that's a little disconcerting to me anyway, is that it's stronger with all kinds of technology and ways of, of making these illusions seem real, right? And so let's just, first let's know that, let's know that that's there. And also let's know that the very fact that there's this push to dumb these amazing kids down even further and faster than ever before, that very push is also what's igniting something inside of them to, um, to not succumb, to not, to not be less than what they are, to not, um, yeah, it's like, it's both and. We've, we've just got to allow it to be both and. And so what I will say about education is, um, I was talking to a woman the other day, she's great. She's, um, she was an educational consultant and now she's out doing more of her own thing and talking to lots of people doing that right now too, which is really fun. There's a book called, um, this is a funny way to get to education, but there's a book called We the Arcturians. It's an old book, like 1990 something. And in that book, they talk about an educational system that is used on Arcturus. And it is by far one of the most beautiful education systems I have ever heard about. I remember reading that book over and over again. It really spoke to me, still speaks to me. And part of that education system had to do with, number one, that the individuals who interact with and educate, quote unquote, educate, uh, I'll say facilitate, support children, from the Arcturian perspective, those are the most conscious people on their planet, that the, the, the most conscious people in their space are the ones that are given the gift of working with children. Yep. It's the, the ones who have, have they're literally, they literally take the most conscious and most aware among them and they invite the children to interact with those individuals so that the children can not only know their own capacity, but they can be encouraged in that capacity in a way that has wisdom behind it. Yep. And, and the wisdom does come from those elders. The wisdom does come from those individuals who 
have enough, enough life experience and who have enough inner awareness to guide these individuals, these children, not to what somebody else wants them to be, but to guide them into their own depth, into their own capacity. There's not a kid on the planet that doesn't come here going, you know, it's like, I like this, I like that, I don't like this, I don't like that. You know, it's like they already, they're already aware of what they just are inspired to be um, connected to, right? So what does the current education system do but try to convince them that they need to be a well-rounded individual? And in that well-roundedness, they are then guided to spend time doing all kinds of things that they really don't give a shit about. And quite frankly, why should they? You know, it doesn't, it's, a lot of it is, has nothing to do with who they are, what they came here to be. You know, it just slows them down. It just dumbs them down. And so the current education system is designed to make children into what the system wants the child to be instead of um, encouraging them and supporting them through wisdom, through capacity, through self-awareness to be what they came here to be, right? We don't want a bunch of little robots. We don't want a bunch of people that will grow up to do what somebody else tells them to do. We know what that looks like because we're living it right now. You know, we, we, you know, we want souls that are connected to the humanity that they're interfaced with. We want that, that essence and that humanity to be informing each other instead of somebody else being inform, informing that human so that the essence stays separate from the human, right? We don't, that's not what we want. We want something completely different than that. And so our new educational systems are first start with very wise supporters, with elders, with those who already hold a certain level of consciousness. Um, and that's not necessarily a, well, it, I could say it's not necessarily a hierarchical kind of thing, but it is in the sense that if, I mean, look at who educates our children. And I don't mean the individuals necessarily. There's some amazing, beautiful teachers. Um, you know, I worked in public education for a really long time. It's like I saw some amazing human beings. The system does not set it up so that we can encourage wisdom, so that we can encourage heart-centered awareness of self and others, just doesn't do it, right? And so all we have to do is look at the system and we know exactly what we're gonna get in our children. So moving forward, you know, and, and this is, you watch, it's coming up in all kinds of different places already in the world as we start letting those elders, letting those wise ones interact with the children 
and start supporting them and facilitating that awareness of who they are, that wise awareness of who they are, then we know what we're going to get, right? Because that's what we're putting in. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason why they, who was it? Some religion, some, I can't remember what it was. Somebody said, you know, give me a child for this first seven years of their life and I'll show you the man. Well, it's true. I mean, you get a kid for the first seven years of life and you, you imprint that kid in a particular way. In many ways, it doesn't matter what their capacity is they're going to separate from that capacity in order to, you know, in order to blend with that first seven years of programming. That first seven years of programming has to be love. That first seven years of programming has to be wise, has to be wisdom, has to be capacity, has to be a seeing beyond what is perceived as right as right or wrong. Yeah. So that we really get to this place where we're inviting our children to truly be what they came here to be. Period. Yeah. I'm just going to stay on my pedestal today. Okay. <laughs> it's feeling pretty good up here. Um, someone's wondering what the name of the book is again. We the Arcturians. Okay. Yeah. There's, um, there's a guy named, th these are old books, but um, there's also a guy named Bruce Scott um, who wrote a book called Free the Children. Long, I met this guy a long time ago in California. Great guy. Um, and um, very present. So present that you know, silence was the predominant way of communicating with this guy. You know, it's like really, really brilliant guy and really understood the kids. The other thing I will say, we were just talking about this in Avatar Energetics um, a couple weeks ago. The original movie, or the original documentary by Mr. Rogers, right, about Mr. Rogers, go watch it if you can find it. There's an original documentary about his life. That man understood children. He, I mean, I, yeah, watched that movie several months ago. Oh God, no, more than that. Years ago, probably at this point. And I cried through the whole thing. Um, not necessarily, the Tom Hanks movie is another iteration of it, but I, that's not the one. I would watch his documentary. He, um, because if we could talk, this is the other thing. If we can teach, God, you're going to get me really excited about this topic. We can teach our own inner children. If we can support our own inner children, then we know how to support our outer children, right? Mr. Rogers, somebody like that is somebody who really spoke to the inner child. He really spoke to that point, that place. Um, that knew its capacity or that place that was feeling vulnerable, right? Yeah, so I hope that's helpful. Okay, I am, 
I am noticing a significant divide between myself and my birth family, siblings and parents. And as my partner, and is my partner having similar issues? We are behaving with integrity and showing unconditional love to them, but they are rejecting us and are not able to see our authenticity. Is this an energetic trend or can you speak about the falling away of these once very significant and meaningful relationships? Yeah. Um... So what's, let's say that what's happening here is that when we express authenticity to someone, when we are, when the intention is to interact with somebody from a place of unconditional love and, um, and that is not received, Yes, it's, of course, it hurts. And of course, it feels like a sense of abandonment or betrayal. It can touch some of those uh, places within ourselves, our, our own inner children can feel some of that energy. But when you know that that's what you're giving, and that's how you are presenting to them, and that's not able to be felt or reciprocated, I really would just move into deep compassion for those individuals because what you're noticing there is there's simply, it's a challenge to receive something that you haven't given to yourself is the best way I can say it. So if you haven't given to yourself, you know, that, that love, that capacity, that, that, that ability to, um, to be met, then it doesn't matter who else is trying to meet you. You can't receive it, right? And so in this case, and I think that, you know, you asked about this, you know, I think you used the word trend or is this a trend? And, and I, again, I think the real opportunity here with, within the last two years and all the division that has taken place. I mean, we have families separating left and right over, you know, a vaccine or a mask or, a, you know, a choices that, you know, are nobody else's to make other than the individuals. And that's inclusive of a family too, you know, just because somebody is in our family doesn't mean that they don't also have the opportunity to make whatever choice it is that they want to make. You know, they are, they're individualized. It just, it speaks to the way, energetically speaks to the way that families are, have a tendency to think that there's a belonging um, because we're a family, where there's a, there's a, everything has to be the same because we're a family, right? It's not, again, we're not looking for, um, we're not looking for people to be, parrots of each other. We're looking for people to know the essence of themselves and, follow the, the, 
if they're going to follow a dictate, if they're going to follow a mandate, let it be of their own essence. <laughs> you know, it's like, let it be of that, not of something that's external. So, so yes, there is a trend in a couple different things here. There's the trend of seeing, we're all seeing that just because we came in and we share the same bloodlines or we share, share the same DNA, it doesn't mean that we are all, um, that we all hold the same views, that we all hold the same. So there's that piece. There's another piece, which is we're all getting the opportunity through all of these kinds of interactions to notice what our intent actually is and to notice who is capable of receiving that intent and who is not, right? And it's no blame or shame that they're not. It's just, they're just not in that space to receive that. And so instead of, we can do one of two things. We can, our inner children can feel wounded and betrayed because we're getting disconnected from, you know, the family, disconnected from, you know, a part of, something that was perceived as you know a really strong connection so first when we feel that betrayal let's first go to our own inner children right let's notice that we're feeling betrayed let's let's say what is you know it's like no you know i know what my intent is i know what my um I know where, where I'm coming from as I'm interacting with these individuals. And then once we've treated, once we've supported that inner place within us that feels betrayed or whatever, then let's turn around and have some compassion for the fact that that individual just has not yet been able to receive whatever you're intending for them to receive. And maybe, we can also have compassion for ourselves because maybe it's not meant for them to receive what we want them to receive. They've got a different path. They've got a different journey, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, nothing's just black and white, right? You know, it's like nothing's just, they're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and they're right or whatever it is, you know, it's like, it's, we can't, we in the opportunity here is to really know where we're coming from, know what our intent is, nurture and love and support that part of us that feels challenged by, victimized, whatever, because there's always going to be that part too, there, that part exists within us as well. But as, if we use our own intent and our own focus to go back to our own inner children and love them and support them, and we're just even building that, that capacity that much more, right? And so then, you, then what happens is you go through the same thing, you still hold the same intent, you still are wishing the same things for you know, meeting people with love and compassion. And if they can't receive that, then we can just simply go into compassion for their, that they can't receive it yet. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's okay, they can't receive it yet. But we no longer have to make it 
about us being victimized in any way, shape or form, right? It's like, just know your intent. Know your intent, know where your heart is, know what your capacity is, and then just notice how people react or respond to that. You know, we, we kind of, we, we touched on different topics and yet all the different topics were all interrelated and interconnected, you know? And so I think the one of the greatest opportunities that we each have right now is to really, to really listen, to really listen to not, not the identity. So we're not listening to the mind. We're not even listening necessarily to the emotions. We're not necessarily even listening to what's going on in the physical body. We're listening to the silence, right? We're listening to, um, we're listening to the space that we are. Yep, we're not trying to, we don't have to figure these things out in a mental way, we need to give ourselves the we need to give ourselves the space for the solution to come. Yeah, does that make sense? So instead of, okay, I got a what energy healing do I need? What, what, what step do I need to take? What method do I need to use? What, what mental construct do I need to come up with? so that I can change the old mental construct to a new mental construct, right? Let's, let's just, instead of, instead of going at it from that vantage point, can we just sit for a few minutes and just witness, watch, listen to, be present to just what's arising? We're not trying to fix what's arising. We're not trying to change what's arising. We're getting to the place now where we can understand that we are and have always been the space which in with the space within everything arises, right? Our lives arise within the space of the totality that we are. So what happens if we just close our eyes for a second and we just watch and we just listen and we're not attempting to fix and we're not attempting to change. If we go at it from that vantage point, what you're gonna notice is you're going to start hearing yourself say, I'm not that. That's not what I am. What I am is the one that has the capacity to be present to, to witness it all. What I am is the one that, that creates, the situation, creates the situation, witnesses the situation, you know, deals with the situation, neutralizes the situation and then does it all over again. Yeah. And so there's something about letting ourselves step into that space, especially now. There's not a rightness or wrongness in there. That's, that's Rumi's field, 
you know, we'll meet you in the field between right and wrong. And this is that space that I'm talking about. So just a few minutes of every now and again, just sitting and just watching, just witnessing what's there, what's coming up, you know, can we hold it? Can we have compassion for it? Can we trust it? Can we allow it? Here we go. Yeah, that's what's available. You're gonna find out what's available. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, I hope that's helpful today, everybody. Lots of love and um, yeah. Have a great week, all right? See you guys soon. Bye.